Welcome to Cinema Bushido, badass movie talk about badass movies. I'm your host, Matthew Whitaker, and with me as always is my honky from another donkey show, Mr. Lee Van Cleef. How you doing, Lee? Hey, buddy. Every day's a holiday. I uh, was going to say I want to preface this by saying my company got a new contract and 40% more work, no new hires yet, and uh, voice is going, so... Bear with me on this one, buddy. All right. I might, I might have to lubricate the old vocal cords with a little bit more Jim Beam than I usually do. I, I love the way you uh, blame it on contracts and everything else when I know what your mouth has been doing and why your throat's all, you know, hurt. It's, it's, we're in a recession. You know, <laughs> I got I to gotta do what I got to do. Okay. No, that's fair. That's fair. Well, this is a little different for us. Uh, I don't think up to this point that we've done anything this new nor have we done, I mean, it's pretty new, and nor have we done anything um, that's in the genre. So we are doing, we are, we're going to talk about um, a beautiful movie that we call Old Boy. Old Boy 2003, not the abortion that came out in 2012 or whatever from Spike Lee. So I'll start. Uh, tonight I am in a crummy little town outside of Portland called Tukwila. And Tuckwilla has Odin Brewing Company. So I went in there and I had a couple beers and I brought some back to the studio. So I am enjoying something called Odin's Gift. I got a combination of Odin's Gift, which is a amber ale brewed with juniper berries. You don't really taste the juniper. It kind of tastes pretty bland. But I also got their IPA, which is called the Asgard. You know, going with the Odin theme. And it's not too bad. How about you? Uh, I am drinking Jim Beam, and uh, to supplement it, I'm drinking a Peroni tonight. Well, Peroni, so I should say. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. I was going to make a Jim Beam joke, but I think they're a little worn out. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it was one of those things where I sent somebody else to the liquor store, and this is what I got. And I was yeah. like, "This is not what was on the list." It's not nearly as exciting yeah. as the yeah. the redneck stuff you had two yeah. times ago. And yeah. What did you have last time? Well, I normally drink this stuff called Rubble Reserve, but sometimes I will drink Woodford Reserve. You know, I I like the bourbons, yeah. Every once in a while, I drink a little scotch, you know. All right. Well, I want to talk about Old Boy, because I want to tell you, if there is such a thing as a definitive revenge movie, this is it. I mean, holy shit, right? It's a beautiful, beautiful movie. I mean, it's just cinematically gorgeous, right? Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed the camera work that was uh, and that was done, and there was never a scene where I thought, "Oh, you know, they just rushed it." I mean, this was clearly somebody who was meticulous about the camera work, even all the way through editing. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, awesome soundtrack. Um, I think the storytelling is is perfect from the opening of the weird. You know, I'm sitting in um, a police station, and the the oddness of that, the guy kept trying to piss in the corner <laughs> up to the point where he disappears. Yeah, that was my favorite scene in the movie. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I liked when um, he felt uncomfortable and the other Korean guys were sitting next to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it encompassed all the beautiful things of being too drunk for public um, yeah. consumption. Just embarrassing. So I read somewhere out there on the web that this was called, I think a Korean uh, reviewer called this exotic horror. And I'd never really heard that term, exotic horror, but I think it fits. It's not really a horror film. It's more of a thriller, but there is something super exotic about its uncomfortable feelings and its uh, uncomfortable way of uh, 
displaying things to you? Yeah, I could kind of see that. I The only time I think I've ever seen an exotic horror is when I didn't finish Bridesmaids. Oh, sure. Yeah, that was uh, that was something special. <laughs> well, um, why don't you start and give me your overall feelings? I want to hear what you thought. This was this was your first film um, from Park Chan Wook, right? I'm going to assume that that's a name, and yes, <laughs> that's was. the director. Yeah, and uh, I, I wanted to say, yeah, uh, initially the first. 49 minutes of the movie, I'm like thinking, I should have worn my boner pants. This is going to be one of my favorite movies of all time. About an hour and 10 minutes, I, I'm i still thinking, oh, it's going to be a great movie. Uh, and then it kind of changed into a different movie. And it wasn't the same or it wasn't as good until the last eight minutes of the movie, which were phenomenal. The last eight minutes, the ending was great. Uh, so overall, I'd say it was a movie you should watch, and you shouldn't hear this podcast from this point on. This is mm-hmm. the first time I'd ever say, don't listen to this podcast until you've seen the movie, because this is a movie that attempts to catch you unawares. Yeah, I'd say that about all of them. Although I do know that we do have people that listen to these, and they, they look for it as like, well, do I want to see this? Because we don't often get too deep into what exactly happened here or there, so there's some mystery. But you're right, this is a movie that can be easily spoiled and I don't know, I do think that there's a really, like, it feels so great to be surprised the first time. And then after that, I don't know, I've watched it probably, I don't know, six or seven times, you know, overall. I still don't, I, I'm, I don't have that initial thrill, right? You get that, but then I, I still get a, the thrill of, oh my god, I know what's going to happen. The look on, you know, Daisu's face when, uh, when it all comes to pass. Something special. Yeah, fair enough. I um, I I would agree with that. I I would say that I I kind of figured it out once he's getting his heart checkup. I was like, oh, and then you know we they divulge um, his sister, and then the, he's like, do you th- really think Mido, um, and uh, he's falling in love with Daisu? And then I the only thing that kind of made me the only thing that kind of threw me off was the name of um, there. Let me check my notes here. It was uh, Yoon Hee. Her name was Yoon Hee when he's in the phone booth. And oh. then also Eva Von Lundberg. And that's what threw me off. So I didn't announce it, but I thought, I kept thinking the whole time, I was like, well, he's so fixated on her. He's been talking to her on chat chat rooms for years. And then he's also been, like, he's also concerned about Dai Su falling in love yeah. with, You're and, right. and, and, then he, and then he kills uh, the best friend for calling her a whore, you know? his sister a whore and he's like my sister was not a whore right and you're just like well i kind of feel like this is gonna go into you know crazy town here but uh yeah i, I mean it was i mean i knew for sure <laughs> uh i knew for sure after before they got to the penthouse scene but before then i was still kind of like well i think this is what this is but i i don't know and and i think one of the things that i i had a korean ringer who I'll uh, refer to as Nerd Out, and uh, she 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 caught, she came in and after the first hour of the movie, and like right away as soon as somebody said something, she's like, "That's not what he said." So I feel like some of this movie, the some of the brilliance of this movie might be lost in translation, 
because she said that like right away. Like, and I was like, well, okay, well, all right, you know. And then we got to talking about how things do get lost in translation when you speak sure. a different language. And um, she didn't stick around once he he cut out his own tongue. Yeah. At the end, she was like, no, nah, I'm good. But, you know, and then we started talking about the depth of Korean film and how it gets all dark. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, I think this is a movie that you should see. But I, I think uh, that if you don't speak Korean, you're ultimately going to miss the perfection, the Everest of of the film in its, in its beauty. I imagine that's true of almost all um, subtitled films. You know, you are yeah. you're reading the the condensed version that's meant to get a well i think even worse you, you know obviously i was going to finish that sentence to get the point across they want you just to get the gist and get out of it and you're going to miss the subtlety that the language brings in and i think that's the key word subtlety because yeah. this the camera work tells you how subtle everything is and you just can imagine there's so much more in the subtlety of the language that's missed in the dialogue sure well so i was going to say um to just to tack onto that, um, we watched that small portion of Chinese Connection yeah. that was actually uh, overdubbed instead. And yeah. was that not just the most painful thing to hear the words? Of that fake, like, kind of snide voice coming from Bruce Lee. And obviously not at all what they were saying. Like, they just try to make stuff work because they're just getting past certain things. So I don't, I don't think this is that bad, but I think it's close to that bad. I... Um... I didn't know they were talking because I was masturbating through the action. <laughs> I know, it was really good. There's, that's just a beautiful scene. You know, the camera goes topical and that nice big circle and he just whaps the shit out of everyone. I love it. Yeah, and I think the only thing that, that Bruce Lee scene missed in comparison to this movie was a sense of relatability. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, um, there's actually... Um, there's actually a top six question that deals with the language. So that's that's a very um, intuitive thing. And I'm glad you had somebody there that said something about it. But I think there are, the, the, like I said, there's a lot of stuff that's just missed in that in that subtlety. Yeah, and for the record, I don't speak Korean. Nope, neither do I. I get to read it. Um, I tr- intentionally watch every film that could be watched in its native language that way because I want to hear the actual actors and I want some of that inflection and... And that, but yeah, there's a there's so much lost on us, right? Yeah, fair statement. So, fifteen years. I, I mean, again, the definitive revenge movie. Fifteen years, so he can think about what he did, which he doesn't actually think about that. He just gets mad, and, and obviously, the fifteen years is like we're building a question. We're building his need after all of this shit. Not even letting him kill himself. We're building this need that he has to get to an answer because that's what. That's what is actually wanted out of him. We're also creating a transformation from the drunk uh, frat guy to yeah. the focused beast that would become Odesu. Yeah. Um, what did you think of uh, Wu Jin Lee? He's the the protagonist here. I thought he was pretty pretty suave, beautiful guy, um, cool as hell. Obviously, like well off, confident mannerisms. He's got his badass kung fu dude with him every given moment i thought um it made me think of something like out of james bond he's just so suave and he always has that look of knowing on his face like (laughs) just wait you know yeah there's a sense of entitlement about him that's for sure um i think uh for him i'm gonna call him the bad guy because i hate pronouncing his name yeah yeah exactly sounds like it's uh, out of star wars right (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh, well, there was Qui Gon Jin and Wu Jin Lee. And, <laughs> Star uh, Wars is secretly Korean. Oh, you heard it here first. Well, you know, Star Wars. They wanted Obi Wan Kenobi to be played by like it wasn't Toshiro Mifune, but it was somebody really iconic um, at the time. I'd have to look it up again. But um, they said, nah, it's too cheesy. Like, not really the way of the samurai. So, like, okay, hey, old English guy. He's like, oh, well, you come my way, Luke. Oh, that was terrible. Why don't you give it a shot? Give me your best Obi-Wan. <laughs> I have no I have no response come on, to that. Come on, do it. Give me your best Obi-Wan. I, I don't even <laughs> remember an Obi-Wan line. I don't even know what Obi-Wan said. I, I watched that movie, like, twice in my life. <laughs> right, right away. I keep every quote that keeps popping into my head is is actually from Ramirez in Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> because you're different, people will fear you. Like the people of your village. Oh wait, that's not Obi Wan. Um, that's that's the that's the wrong Brit, you fuck. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. He's not even English. No, he isn't, he isn't at all. Like, again, it's just the voice. I'm trying to think. Yeah. What, uh, what awesome things did Obi Wan say? I don't um, know. I I, I mean. All the all the Star Wars boners are falling right now because I <laughs> I never true. I never got into Star Wars. I was hey, never I like this is the so great. You, you, I, you it was cunt. a good it was a good set of movies. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't bad, but I wasn't like oh my god, this touched me and my soul. Yeah, I was yeah. I can't go as far as I would say it's pretty fucking awesome, but it's definitely one of the most overexposed yeah. things. I mean, holy shit. Is there anything in the world that's more, like, in your face than Star Wars 24-7? I mean, half, for, the, half the podcast I see. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, is it really that good of a movie? No. It's a reimagining of a Kurosawa film, and it was pretty good. I mean, again, at the time, I was, you know, it came out in, I think, 76, so I was four, and my mom took me, and I thought, whoa. I mean, my eyes were, like, that wide eyes that you know, kids get when they, they've seen something majestic. I'm not saying it's a seminal movie. I'm just saying that it, for, for the reputation, it didn't proceed itself in the actual, uh, filming. Uh, I when I actually watched it. I've watched it as a child and I've watched it as an adult not too long ago. I own all three copies and I was just like, meh, not that great. What is, you know, what the number one great thing is about it? Harrison... I was, no, 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 you were no, going to see Princess Leia? No, it's not true. In, in the uh, in the yeah. scene with Jabba the Hutt, where she's all being whipped around, she that's she like not, starved herself. I was like, that's, that's hot. That's the sequel. What the fuck's yeah. wrong with you? Come on, I'm I talking mean, about the, the original. I mean, I know that um, that uh, that Boba the Fett is uh, <laughs> he's he's Bob bounty hunting for Jabba the Hutt to pay off his vet or something like that. Is MC he Chris, Boba the Fett, that's all or is I know. It just Boba Fett. That's all I know. Like I, I mean, I remember, I remember Han Solo because he'll he'll make out with your sister. I'm looking it uh, up. I'm looking it up now. There's no Boba the Fett. It's just Boba Fett. Yeah, Boba Boba the Fett. Uh, yeah, Boba. <laughs> it's called killing, Fett's Vet or something like that. It's a great me. song. My backpack me. has jets. You're killing me. Okay. So old boy, old, <laughs> old boy. Who thought anybody would be laughing their ass off on it? Any uh. I would almost call this a critical review, but <laughs> <laughs> I do love this movie, by the way. So this movie is part of a trilogy, um, and I actually saw them in order. So uh, originally a film came out called Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, 
cheesy name, but I like revenge films, and I'm like, I jumped all over it. And it was a dark, and it was kind of a, I would call it a rusty movie compared to Old Boy. Old Boy is perfect, like, clean. The only part you're talking about, it got a little boring, is when they actually had to delve into the backstory to explain what happened. And the whole long, drawn-out figuring out that the young boy is now the grown man who was a incestuous weirdo with his sister and that all of that it took a while the whole figuring out what the old boy's from and all that stuff so it got a little bit like well what's going to happen and i'll tell you on my first watch there were a lot of signs of what was going to happen you said it like his questions right he's like do you think she could already be in love with him um she had been he had been stalking her on that um that chat room all these things, they were obvious, like, she's a super important piece. And who else was she going to be? It's obviously not the wife who's dead. It's going to be his kid. And I didn't see it the first time. I just kind of went past it all. I'm watching with that kind of, oh, shit, look at all this stuff that's happening. So by the time we get there, I'm like, well, that's fucking weird. Like, he's getting revenge because he's having sex with his sister and he gets called out. And then his sister, well, kind of kills herself with help. I don't know. It was the whole thing. When I got to the end, I was like, what the fuck just happened? Like, who in the world is going to write this thing where this incestuous guy is so upset about somebody calling him out on it and being a douchebag, honestly, like over the whole course of the whole thing? That was weird. But make him into an incestuous guy inadvertently, making a person have sex with their own kid, essentially. What the fuck? Yeah, you know, uh, I I mean, it was, I actually thought, I mean, obviously incest to us is different, but, you know, if you go not too far back in not only the history of the Western society, but in the Middle East today, I mean, incest is not all that uncommon. So it wasn't like I was totally shocked that he, you know, had him had sex with his own child. I think the ultimate thing is, is that he, um, he exposed Odesu to or Desu uh, to the uh, to the idea of like a forbidden love, and uh, and then he also pain leads to madness when no one can share it. You know, like it, that's what leads to madness, and when no one acknowledges your pain, and he's had and they he had someone home, like him like going going mad, right? Yeah, and he he had someone in the depths of his depravity. His whole goal was to get Odesu to know his pain, which he didn't. He showed him a whole different kind of pain. Well, I mean, sister, daughter—it's all first degree at that point. But it's forced versus organic. True, but the thing is, is that it's organic in the sense that once he's been hypnotized, you're right. Yeah, there was an organic falling in love. It's not like oh you know there was an initial attraction to ensure that they would they would connect, but then at that point on it was that's why he was in doubt because he didn't know for sure if his five thousand three hundred sixty two step plan would work. All right, listen up, dick shit. I want to ask you: Can ten years of imaginary training be put to use? Apparently, it can. Apparently, it can. That was a great scene, right? Uh, that was one of my favorite scenes of all time. If those guys had been more schooled, they would have been a large body of fish. Yeah. Okay, followed up by the greatest scene in the world, 
well, I mean, I'm we're, I'm not even pausing this to say, hey, Lee, give me your favorite scene. I'm throwing them out there. They they have to be what they are. They were that scene and the goddamn hallway scene. One of the greatest scenes in cinematic history. Hammer time. Hammer time. That was insane. All one shot. A little bit of CGI just for like the knife in his back and yeah. a couple of dumb things. Nothing big. That was all just done, and it's it was really tense and beautiful. I mean, the falling down, the getting back up, the getting kicked. They were some pretty respectful bad guys that when someone's down, they didn't just go ahead and put him out of his misery. They kind of gave him a chance to come back. But beyond that one criticism, that was gorgeous. Yeah, you could feel his exhaustion. You know, fighting is exhausting. It's not like, oh, let me just sit here and press the B button on your fucking controller the whole time. It's it's it takes real uh, effort to throw punches and to do that over and over again and to fight through the pain that he was getting. Um, you know, I wrote down that if your one tool is a hammer, every problem becomes a nail. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Very well said. That's usually, that quote usually is, um, is meant as a negative. That if if your only tool is a hammer, every problem is a nail, and that's not necessarily true. But in his case, yeah. That was, I mean, all the way up to the finale, right? He's exhausted, knife hanging out of his back, and? I guess you could say he really nailed it. I would say he, he, you're hammering the point home. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say you really hit the nail on the head. I guess you could say, um, or I, someone would say it's hammer time. <laughs> I, I believe you're quoting uh, Hooked on Phonics. <laughs> El Presidente. It's hammer exactly. time. It's hammer time. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, that would be a great thing to like troll with is to cut that scene out. And sync it up to MC Hammer's Hammer Time from like nineteen eighty two. I'd be willing to put money down that somebody already has. Yeah, but I'd be willing to spend even the equally amount of money that they don't speak English. Uh, I don't know. Okay, let's just throw it out there. Um, Ten dollars, and uh, we'll settle this uh, next podcast when I've gone out to search. Fair enough. All right. So, um, <laughs> two of the greatest scenes ever. I loved that first one because it was such a pleasant surprise fighting his wall, and then he goes out and he kicks this guy's ass, and then, of course, the hallway scene. Then it led to just a, a lot of um, strangeness. Uh, I don't know. I do, I, like I said, I, do, I love the movie beginning to end. Even the slow parts for me, um, in rewatching, they mean more to me. I know, I read somewhere that the Koreans saw this way more as a um, retelling of, like, Oedipus just gouging his own eyes out versus cutting his own tongue out and these kinds of things. There were a lot more parallels than American cinema just going, you know, uh, getting way too uncomfortable with the what happened. Yeah, ultimately the ending is the, um, I mean, all the way through the ending, it's the Oedipus complex retold yeah. in Korean form. I mean, for me, um, the the reason why the marker stops at an hour and 10 minutes in is, is not because the movie is bad from one ten till the last eight minutes of the film. It's that it's it's just not as good. It's the pacing. It's yeah. the pacing. Well, well, and it's like we've already gotten in the course of 49 minutes two remarkable, indelible action sequences. Okay. Yeah. And then we go from that to a totally different movie. And there are some plot holes with going back to the guy who lost his hand. I won't go into the details, but essentially the story does not is not consistent at that point. It loses it loses a little bit of intelligence. You got you got to write the hand thing, the fact that he brought that back and was like, "Nice try. What do you think? This guy's just gonna 
fold on me because, you know. You're not being followed. Why wouldn't you just pay cash and stay at a hotel anywhere? You know, I mean, it, there's like it doesn't make any sense at that point. Yeah, yeah. They, they just shoehorn that in, and it, it's it's because the writing from a certain point is not as intelligent as the rest of the movie, which is quite brilliant. I mean, let's let's face it, the million, the movie is not a dumb movie. You're making me second guess my hyperbole, right? <laughs> I'm just like, no greatest every part and you're like well what about this and you're right there are there are flaws we know that they're there and i guess it's easy to ignore them for the the glory in this film versus you know a lot of other things that might have something awesome i think the greatest sin is that we didn't get a third action sequence i mean we did but it really didn't count it was like when they go up to the penthouse and they're seized by a fit of madness and it's like the unmentioned circle of of hell and it's like you know no one everyone loses their mind from the martha stewart toothbrush shank to mr han not listening and getting his head blown off with a yeah. temperature i mean that that was just kind of like off-putting and somewhat uh took like that's the mo- that's one of the moments in the movie where i'm like oh yeah i'm sitting on my couch watching this that's right yeah no i'm with you and i think it was like a i feel like it was james bond again too right like it felt like something Ian Fleming would have written this yeah. elaborate penthouse with all this stupid shit for him to get, like, busted upon. <laughs> yeah, in the Enforcer, he's just yeah. going to wrap him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved the Enforcer, right? Um, his name, oh, yeah, Mr. Han, but he is uh, uh, Byungok Kim. Yeah, he was, he was great. He, just this little guy with all that power. It's fun as hell to watch. Yeah, he was just real calm, real cool. It's like, whatever. I could beat your ass any day. Okay, so um, a couple of questions. Let, we're just going to jump to the ending. Um, unless you really want to ex- elaborate on our favorite scenes, but I think we have them, right? And Well, I wanted to say in retrospect, as I think about it with you here, and I drink a lot, that the first 49 minutes of the movie remind me of the J.K. Chesterton quote, that, uh, or J.K. Chesterton quote, that I think it was Chesterton, who said that angels fly because they take themselves so lightly and devils fall because of their gravity. And the first half of the movie is really, it's fun, it's exciting, it's violent, it's funny. But then the second half of the movie is like, it takes, it goes down into like a dark, dark place. And it, and the tone just doesn't, doesn't compel in the same way in, as it does in the first movie, the uh, first part of the movie. And for me, it, it fails um, until the last eight minutes of the movie because it tries to be two different movies at once. If it had just stuck with the tone from the first movie, from the first part of the movie, I think it would have been a 10 out of 10. But as it stands, it's more like an 8 out of 10. It's not a bad movie. You should watch it over, you know... 80% of the shit you watch right now. But it's not it's not par excellence. So I wanted to ask a couple of questions. Um, a couple of things I noticed about the end. Um, we talked about the end. You said last eight minutes. I'm going to assume that kind of everything I'm talking about fits within that span. Do you feel like um, there's kind of like that acknowledgement at the end. He's back and she says something like... Uh, like Odesu, you know, and gives them, they're hugging, and you get his crazy face. 
It made me think, do you feel like they fell in love so quickly because Mido knew that it was her long lost father? Well, that's a weird question. I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't predicted that. I, I not, I did not assume that. I guess I'd have to watch that a third time to really definitively say. I think, like, I wonder if she knew she was that child. Like, she put it all together herself. She, ha- she's a smart, smart girl, and she's figuring out this guy's been tormenting me, and it's the same one that's after. Oh, they sue, and I don't know. There's like, this I don't know. I don't assume. I, I guess it would be hard to assume that somebody. I feel like um, take a drink. I feel like uh, take a drink. <laughs> that uh, she she didn't have a father, so that obviously left her with a daddy complex. No, like sure. so, like so many beautiful strippers who've taken my money. But I'm not entirely sure if she just assumed that. That was her she father. Was, she was the missing piece. Yeah, I, I just don't... wonder if you're that if you're that involved in a puzzle. Don't you wonder to yourself, why am I here? Why am I a part of this? Like, why am I related to this whole thing so closely? And then she has to remember from that she was four years old or whatever. She's got to kind of remember. Well, she remembered. She read his journal and she saw that somebody was out to get him. Yeah. And she helped him, but I don't know if she knew that it was his sister and that it was all... Oh, she did know it was all about the incest. She admitted that. She was like, oh, yeah, it's too much of a... I don't know. I I didn't catch that. If you did, well, that's kudos to you. I didn't see that. Well, it would only be after this last watch. This, like, I watched it again yesterday. This would have been my seventh time or so. And I wasn't trying to look for things that weren't there, but I feel like... I feel like it was more obvious this time. The way his mind has been blanked out again, you know, by the hypnotist, and he, there's the whole symbolic stuff that, you know, his, the spirit within him that knows the secret has walked away through the snow, and there's the tracks in the snow, and he's, you know, grinning that weird grin, which the director said, particularly, I left this ending open so people can interpret it however the hell they want. If you think they're going to go on happy, this can be as, you know, well, yeah, I I interpreted the ending a little bit different. I I thought ultimately it was like a you could say Jekyll and Hyde, or if you want to go back into like you know uh, antiquity, the idea of the carnal flesh and um, the beast. You know, so we all wrestle with the man and the beast within, and the beast is fixated on um, being the aggressor and zero sum and. Lobito Domini, the lust to dominate. And I think that he was given the gift or the respite to separate himself from the beast and be the man. Yeah. As it were, uh, and wash clean in some respect. But the question that I had at the end was, did, did the bad guy wish he had fallen with his sister? That was the one that I thought mm. was the real question because he... Before he blows his brains out, he relives that whole moment where his sister is, like, begging to be let go, takes a picture of herself, and she says, I have no regrets. Yeah. And then she drops off, he lets her go, and then he blows his brains out. But I wonder, to be with her, I, that's how I see that. See, and I, I saw no, I, he has nothing else to live for. The revenge is over. That's, the, you can't afford any more than it. I mean, I guess he could have gone ahead and killed his daughter or 
exposed it and just really hitting it home. But I I wonder if at that point, isn't he worse of a demon than just getting his reward, his vengeance reward for what he thought he was wounded? I think he I think he realizes that at that point he had no regrets either. And he should have went with her. That's what I kind of got from that. Well, are you ready to top six this sucker? Yeah, dude, I'm drunk as fuck. Let's do this. Good. Here's the thing. This one was really hard. I know you have no background on this at all, so I didn't want to just throw a bunch of zingers at you, especially about his other films and uh, Park Chan-wook's other films and stuff like that. So I'm like, what can I do? So I just tried to think of what are reasonable questions. Well, just so long as there's not any drunk math, that's hard as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny as hell. (laughs) But um, that said, yeah, let's do this. Um, Okay. You have, I, I'd love to point out here that you constantly fail on these, but I think you've won like two in a row now. So, um, I Praise Allah. I did not make this one harder, but um, I just went for what it is. Let's see how you do. All right, let's do you, it. I'm, I'm good, dude. I'm ready. You black mouth son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's, an evil dead, that's an Evil Dead 2 quote. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. What is the one scene out of all the scenes in this movie? that gave global audiences the most pause. I'm going to say when he takes the teeth out of the guy's mouth with a hammer. Oh, you know, you'd think so, right? Like, that was huge and so dark. That was that was awesome. Nope, it was the octopus eating scene. That's gay shit, dude. All he's doing is eating an octopus live. I hear you. Actor uh, Choi Min-sik, he's a Buddhist he had to say a prayer after each one. Um, accordingly, in Korea, it's very common to eat them while they're alive. They're usually cut right beforehand um, and then eat, not eaten whole like he did. Um, the one tidbit there is when asked in a DVD commentary if uh, if Park Chan-wook uh, felt bad uh, for Choi, he said he felt more sorry for the octopus. I mean... Flesh or Lester Beast, dude. Yeah, I wanted to say, if you're going to fail, fail hard. Straight from the first question. <laughs> straight from the first question. I just went, if you're going to fail, you just do it just like you're doing it. I said it with such certitude. I was like, oh, come on, dude. Yeah. You're almost a hero in terms of failure. Okay. So I mean, two. I feel like fail hard, you know? Yeah. yeah. Fail hard to go home. Fail hard know? to go home. Number two. When Odesu is released from prison, he talks to the gang of kids outside. And they act like they don't understand him. Can you guess the background to that? Like, why would they be acting like that to him? Because it's his inner monologue. He's not really talking. I like your answer. And this is just one of those questions. It's a great question because the answer is awesome. But what are you going to guess? I probably would have guessed that he'd been estranged from people so long that his mouth wasn't working right or something. The actual answer is that the movie was set in a time period when the Korean language had changed like drastically over those 15 uh. years. So that's part of that language subtlety we talked about. Um, he's speaking a very different dialect than what would of be Korean, 15 years yeah. later. Yeah, so they're like, what the fuck? And it says, of course, that unfortunately this was lost in English subtitles, as it would be. Yeah. You're a cunt. I just want to point that out. If Go you're going to fail. If you're going to fail. <laughs> if you're going to fail. All right. Yeah, you're bringing, it, you're bringing it hard. Okay. This one's a great question. So, you know the number they called in Sweden. I mean, I'm like going hard in the paint here. And he's, yeah. like, he's like, nah, bro. You, I mean, it's good swing, but yeah. you just got dicked in the dicked in the A. <laughs> dicked, Go ahead. Dicked in the A. Um, so, that number they call in Sweden to find the daughter. 
Can you guess whose number in real life it was? And this is going to be multiple choice. Oh, okay, good. Warning. Um, you have a choice of, was it Warner Brothers in Sweden? Was it uh, Park Chan-wook's agent in Sweden? Was it the Korean consulate? Or was it um, an unfortunate random Swedes residence? I'm going to go with D. And you're going with D because I laughed, but um, you have a choice of A through C. I'm going to go with uh, C. Ah, the Korean consulate? Yeah, I'm going to settle that as my final fail answer. <laughs> you got it right. <laughs> Only because you took pity on me. Yeah, yeah. That's sad. I it's, I feel like I skewed it. This by, by this laughing. win this win is not valid hey, if I went on that. You only got one. You only got one. Yeah. The telephone number, blah blah blah. Uh, I won't read it off. Which was supposed to go to uh, Odessa's daughter's foster's parent. Here, foster here, here's my real question: Is like her her name is not Mido in the beginning of the movie. It's yeah. a completely different name. No, for so, sure. So, so where does where like all they spent all this time jerking me off about all this other shit? Where was the fucking? Where was the story plot that told me that my suspicions were true? That Midu not doesn't live in Stockholm. She lives in Korea, and uh, her name has changed. I mean, what the fuck? There's nothing that tells me that unless I didn't catch it. No, there's nothing. They don't even bother. Why would they bother? They showed in the book. Mido growing up from being his child to being a grown woman. That's but they Mido. don't explain it. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of obvious. Just, you should just accept these things because Michael no, Bay wrote no, no, them. No. Now, he's also said, like, directly, I've raised her since she was a kid and I killed your wife and all this stuff. It's, it's well. But she was supposed to be in Stockholm. They give us a scene where every, everything points to her being in Stockholm. That was somebody else. This guy has a lot of money and he pulled it off. There's just no, it wasn't, a, that wasn't even a question. You are you are an apologist for shitty writing. Go on. I didn't think it was shitty writing. I thought it was shitty because like somebody gives us this information, and then on top of that, like her name is different. For, like she wasn't like not able to know her name. She was. Yeah, she knew her new name. No, no, no. She knew her old name. She wasn't like re- she wasn't like fifteen by the time he was fucking her. Obviously, she so, didn't know her old name because she was like four years old so name me one child in the history of the planet earth who doesn't know their name at four years old uh, you, yeah, you might kind of know your name but you may not even know how to spell it but if you called something else forever after that maybe it was the hypnotist okay well then that would have been better explained but then i'm being an apologist for shitty yeah. writing you are all right number four guilty what game is being played in the cyber cafe you can hear people playing video games in the cyber cafe. Oh, hell, I have no idea. And it's actually like a game you would know. It's kind of like, I feel like it's like a your generation game. It's on the computer? Yeah, it's a computer game. So this was, this movie. 2003, Duke was, Nukem. So this movie was in 2003. First off, Duke Nukem was like 1994. Oh. <laughs> so, so let's get back to it. This is about 2003. Can you think about know. what big game would have been played in a cyber cafe? Warcraft. Um, you were close, but anyway, it was Half Life Counter Strike. I have no idea what I have no idea what that is. You don't know so. what Counter Strike is? No, dude, I don't know what that is. All right, well, you had a second chance because also Starcraft was being played. I have no idea. You got them both. What that wrong. is, yeah, you're yeah. Fail, fail five thousand. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not an Asian kid. So, so. that was number four. You got yeah. one right because I I had pity on you. You took pity on me. Yeah. Yep. So you have two more. If it you does. Get, no, it doesn't count. That's how I look at it. It does if you get the 
the last two. Okay, well, I don't, I don't, I still don't recognize it. Go on. Okay, so uh, you have to name either quote one or quote two. There were two epic quotes in this uh, in this flick, and if you can do either of them word for word, I'll give you a point. Oh, okay. I'll give you a little more background. One, it was written on the painting in his room. If you laugh with the world, the whole world laughs with you. If you weep, no, uh, you weep alone. I'd say that's close enough. Well, you only needed one, so you got the point. So I'm, I'm going to give you the second chance. And this is something I'll give you the give you just one little okay. one little hint. He said it to the man on the roof. Yeah, he said, "Even a beast, even though I'm a beast, don't I deserve to live?" Close enough. Even though I'm no better than a beast. A beast, yeah. Don't I have the right to live? Yeah. Those are both just really awesome quotes from him. (laughs) And he's laughing at the end, so. No, the best quote in the movie was, what's this? And he holds up the suppository and she's like, we were passed out. (laughs) I didn't have any other way to give you the medicine. Hey, dad, I put this up your anus. Love me, though. (laughs) And a little bow on it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you got the quotes. So I wanted to, uh, in looking up stuff about this movie in order to put together a top six, um, I don't know why, but I ran into this great uh, James Joyce quote. And this is from the book The Dead. His soul swooned softly as he heard the snow falling faintly through the universe and faintly falling like the descent of their last end upon all the living and the dead. That shit is cold. Yeah. All right, so you have um, one last question. You got that one, so you actually have two. This one, I actually have um, I have two questions in case one got screwed up. I'm going to give you the one I think is easier, or maybe I'll give you the harder one first. <laughs> give me the hard one. Give me the hard one. And if one. you get it wrong, I'll give you the easier one. Okay, fair enough. Although I don't know if either of them are easy. Fair enough. Let's go. Um, enough dancing around. Actually, they're both pretty easy. All right, let's just go with... I'm going to give you the one I think is harder, actually. Um, Okay. What director do you think um, that Chen Wook Park is channeling with this movie? He went to film school, and he appreciated one particular director so much that it sort of set his life on course, and he decided to try to be in the field of that... Ooh, that's a good one. That old okay. school director, I'll say. We're not looking for David Lynch here. So this was made in 2003. Hmm, I'm going to go Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. I thought there was just no way. I'm sitting here thinking, who the hell is he going to come up with? That, yeah, you got it. I would say you won, but I guess maybe I'll just give you the last question since okay. you didn't feel yeah. the other one fit. It doesn't count. Yeah, go ahead. This one's hard. It's really hard, but I'm just going to give it to you. So this is number 6A. What scene do you think was missing from the shithole remake of Old Boy? And I don't, I don't feel like I should give you any more than that. I'll tell you, it's not a major plot point, but it's something that uh, Chan Wook Park did that Spike Lee chose not to do. I'm going to say 6B, because that's what it really is. And uh, it's the scene where he eats the squid live. Oh, well, actually, you know what's funny is you're right, but that's not the scene. I said what big scene. Mm. And that is a big scene. So you, you've got no, that one. You got no, that no, one no. Right. Let's go big scene. I'm going to go... 
where he cuts his own tongue out. Uh, no, it was the um, the hallway scene. Oh, what? He made a remake? I didn't have the, the best <laughs> yeah, like the scene. The greatest scene. Spike Lee, your life does not matter. Yeah, I mean, fuck Spike. Yeah, but dude, I, I've always thought he, his movies were kind of hackneyed. They, they are. I've tried so hard. Yeah, exactly. I've tried, tried so hard to like him. And every time yeah. it just goes straight to the shitter. It's like yeah. it's not it's like it's filmed with a of the old school VHS, you know, yeah. video camera on his shoulder and he's just making people like Harvey Keitel say stupid shit. Yeah, it's <laughs> the bigotry of soft soft expectations. That's what it really was at the end of the day. It is. You know, most directors, I think almost every director that has some sort of uh, you know, legend whatever, I watch and I say, "Ah, I see it." Yeah. Not a freaking thing with Spike Lee. Exactly. Yeah, precisely. And then he goes ahead and tries to redo Old Boy. <laughs> Fuck. When I even heard about it, like, it, this was a terrible thing. Like, it started out, they had, like, um, I, I don't remember the original director that was attached. It wasn't Spike Lee, but they were going to have uh, um, Nick, Nicolas Cage, which uh, obviously would have been really funny in itself, right? All the yelling. Are you my fucking daughter? <laughs> Don't open that box, sweetie. Don't open it. But yeah, so that movie would have been very different. I may have liked it. I did not go into Spike Lee's old boy expecting to hate it. I did think, well, this is weird. And then um, Josh Brolin being announced, I'm like, yeah, he's fucking cool looking and old. I could see him kind of being like Ode Sue. And yeah, it was just terrible. It just yeah, he doesn't have the range to play the lighthearted part of it in the beginning. Can't sell it. It's always angry and rough. Yeah. Yeah. Stoic. What a piece of shit. So did you win or did you lose? I'm going to let you decide. I lost, of course. <laughs> Listen. Listen, I I no longer dis- dishonor myself with winning. Nah, you know, I wouldn't bother. Yeah. I set these up in such a way that you just can't. It's either this or the terrorists win. 